Do you think pickleball is giant <laughs> ping pong or tiny tennis? Ooh, this is actually a great question. I would say I would lean towards giant ping pong. I think I lean giant is ping that, pong. Really? I think so. What's, yeah. your, what's your reasoning? I, it just feels more like, I don't know. Like, I mean, the paddles. It's the paddles. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, the, it's probably the paddles. Yeah. Yeah. Tennis is so exhausting. Yeah, it is. Like surprisingly exhausting. You move a lot more than I think. People, you people don't realize how much you move in tennis. Yeah, and how full body every yeah. swing is. Yeah, you're leaning into some of those. I say like I've played tennis before. I've never played. I mean, I have, but I'm awful at tennis. Yeah, I'm bad at all of the country club sports. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that one? Um, that they're on horses. Oh, white people game. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh God! No, no, no they, I didn't say that. that what, what is polo? Is I that think, polo? right? I think that's. Where I it's think like, that's, it goes through those hoops on the ground, and they're on a horse. Yeah, yeah, so dumb. Yeah, that's yeah, it's dumb. Tennis, golf. I really don't like golf. I hate golf. We could do a whole episode I, on how much I hate golf. I really don't like golf. Nah, I can't do it. It's oh, the worst thing I. I hate this the most is when you see older guys who are in like the grocery store and yeah. they're just like phantom oh swinging. I'm like, what are you swinging at? Is that really helping you without a club in your hand? They make fun of us for feeling vibrations from our phone that aren't actually there. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're practicing <laughs> the putt in the soup aisle. Hey everyone, welcome back to Rally Caps. It's a podcast for artists, entrepreneurs, and everybody in between. I'm Steven. And I'm Gene. And today you might notice that Eric is not here. We actually had a different lineup of episodes we were going to record today, but he had to head home and just take care of himself a little bit, uh, hoping he gets better soon. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, while we had this set up, we wanted to make a different episode, just Gene and I together. And we thought a fitting topic for the two of us in particular yeah. to discuss is how to get into commercial photography in 2023. Great topic. Yeah. Super excited to dive into that. If you are listening right now, if you could do us a favor before we jump into commercial work, um, just leave a rating for the show. If you're in Spotify, just flick up to the stars, like leave a five-star rating there, maybe on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. Um, ratings are a really great way to just push the show out to more people and tell these algorithms that you're liking what you're seeing. So hopefully all these conversations that we have here on Rally Caps can get pushed out to a wider audience. Thanks thanks for doing that. I'm going to assume you did. Because do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Thank you. That'd be great. Uh, cool. So Gene, why would commercial work be something that you and I in particular would be well-versed to talk about? Ooh, um, I think that for at least for you and I especially, we come from backgrounds of photographing weddings. So, I mean, I, I guess for some people, their definition of commercial work may differ a little bit from ours. But I think coming from the wedding photography world, uh, anything that's client facing, that's like, I would argue it's like small business and bigger would be considered commercial work for me at least. Sure. Yep. Um, and so I think for us, you and I, um, even when you weren't living in Chicago, both of us, I, I believe we're working on commercial work while we were shooting weddings still. Yes. 
And if anything, over the years, we've seen um, the distribution in our businesses from shooting primarily weddings Mm -hmm. to now primarily commercial work. And I would even argue that what we do as far as like YouTube, working with brands, sponsorships, that all falls under the category of commercial work. So Mm -hmm. um, I would never say to anyone that I'm an expert in um, commercial work as far as photo and video stuff, but... I do think that you and I over a handful of years now have gained a lot of experience, especially in our niche of the commercial world. Yeah. 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 What would you describe that niche of the commercial world yeah. as? Um, I think you have a you have a pretty heavy background in product mm-hmm. and lifestyle branding. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a part of mine as well. Um, the only difference, I guess, with me is... I've done a lot of interior photography. That's both in residential and then in hospitality. So I think that um, you and I both don't really, there's a lot of categories or niches within the commercial world. It can Mm -hmm. really be anything, but I think for you and I especially, dialing in on brand asset creation Mm -hmm. is more where you and I kind of fall into. Totally, yeah. No, I think that's a great way to describe it and i think yeah to your point to reiterate that we're definitely not experts on commercial work by any means we've been in that world far less than a lot of people have but uh, i think it's something that we yeah like you said have really taken time to learn how to do well because there's a lot of different kind of like sectors within it uh, and you need to have a pretty big toolkit of, yeah. of knowledge to kind of tackle everything really well, especially with manipulation of light. I feel like that's the biggest thing. Uh, but something that changed for both of us this year insofar as commercial work is that we took on a commercial client together. Mm-hmm. What has that client been like? Yeah, so one of our clients is based here in Chicago and I would describe them as, um, how would you describe them? Like They're like a kind of a boutique uh, blanks manufacturer and like custom yeah. uh, uh, what would that be like uniforms I guess for uniforms, different like hospitality um, brands yeah specifically like restaurants and hotels mm-hmm. uh, which is great because that's a niche that I've always been very interested in yep. and um, the story of how it came to be doesn't matter so much as far as a relationship but I just knew right away that when I came in contact basically with the owner of the company that I wanted to pitch Steven and I together, both of us as partners in working with them. And so far it's been great. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's really cool is they work with really high end um, like restaurants and hotels. And we've done a handful of shoots for them now. And I don't see it slowing down at all this year in 2023, but uh, that's a client that Steven and I both tackle together and everything's an even split for us. So I also don't know how other partners in business do it. Um, frankly, I don't care that much either because we're not working off of a template that others have done before mm-hmm. us, but what works best for us. And so, um, yeah, it's been fun to tackle a client together to sh- share and spread the workload mm-hmm. and then really get paid out evenly too. Yep. No, it feels great. It's been a really fun client to have. And it it's, again, it's another way to practice those skills within photography that might dull after a while. Yeah. Like, I think a big one as far as the case studies that we do, which are more on-site lifestyle shoots for this brand, Mm -hmm. those are a lot more, 
uh, product and detail oriented and a little bit of portraiture as yeah. well. Uh, and then also brings in your knowledge of interior photography For sure. because it's kind of more or less like an eight to 10 photo set to best showcase this uniform and this restaurant that, you know, this, this uh, uniform exists in. Definitely. Um, so that's like one side of it. And then the other side is more the e-commerce side mm -hmm. and that dips in much more to strobe photography and yeah. proper studio photography, which I think is something that a lot of photographers, at least that talk to me about it, seem to know very little about or yeah, the sure. common refrain is kind of like, Oh, strobes scare me or flash scares me, which is why a lot of people I think maybe start out saying they're a natural light photographer yeah. because they just yeah, want yeah. to avoid that completely. Yeah. But I think, I don't know about you, but kind of tapping back into strobes has been so much fun oh, for yeah, me. For and sure. it's been such a good thing to get back in my rotating kit of techniques to use for things. Um, had you done a lot of strobe work before working mm. with stock? No. So Really, the only experience I've had with using like strobes or flashes has been at weddings. Mm. Uh, and that's for a very specific look or use case. So even for myself, I would argue and make, I would say that I'm not an experienced photographer using strobes. But the great thing is you are. Mm. And you've taken classes mm. and you've had experience using strobes. And so it's, for me, at least, it's been a very easy learning curve watching you and learning together. And I kind of liken strobes, flash to kind of like film photography. I think most people are so afraid of it because they don't really understand it. And then when you practice enough, which honestly is, you don't need that much practice, mm -hmm. you begin to understand uh, kind of like the math behind it. Mm -hmm. Because really it is a lot of math too that you're kind of calculating. Mm -hmm. uh, but once you figure it out, I think it's a tool that unlocks a lot of creative opportunities because with constant lights, wonderful for many reasons like for video, also for you to see the shape of the light in real time. But most constant lights that we would use in our type of work uh, don't have enough output. So especially when you're going for a specific use um, or look, it's much easier to use strobes and they're much smaller typically so that they have a smaller footprint and um, it's just easier to get much more light output. Yep. So it's been great. Yeah, they are much, much better for still photography one which we learned because we've done yeah. two of those e-commerce shoots the first one we used a ton of constant lights yeah and it was still <laughs> hard to get enough output also white balance too i yeah. noticed when you don't have enough output in light white balance if it's not a very controlled environment mm -hmm. does get harder and harder to keep consistent yep. but with strobes pretty easy with white balance too and for context too that's in our studio in Chicago. It's very bright on sunny days. We have very large windows yeah. in that shooting space that we do all these shoots in. And so trying to basically overpower the sun with <laughs> constant lights yeah. takes very, very powerful constant lights. Yeah. And at that point in time, we only had sheer curtains to diffuse light. That's right. And we had those pulled. And even then the sun was shifting so much that we had to constantly change settings in camera we noticed light and temperature color shifting in the background of the image where yep. uh, the light was the least strong. So things were just kind of all over the place and not super fun in post. Like it was okay, but it was not as consistent as we hoped it would be. Yeah. And then we moved to not even big pro photo lights, but the pro photo system, the A1 flashes, which, which they're are sick. They're on camera flashes, but you can wirelessly tether them together with the Profoto remote 
And then you can just put little flash bracket adapters on C stands or light stands and attach a shoot through umbrella mm -hmm. or a diffusion umbrella. Just point the flash in there. And Easy. suddenly you have a two point lighting system with the flashes that each Gene and I have. And you have so much more output per shot. Yeah. We didn't have the blackout curtains for that shoot. Nope. But we just did it with the same conditions as the first one. And the difference was drastic. I yeah. mean, much more quality across the board. Definitely looked more like what we wanted it to actually look like. Yeah, for sure. And we had even less time exporting everything because we yeah. were shooting tethered and editing them in real time. Yeah. But the selection process later was so much faster. It was it wasn't just the fact that we we did it before. I mean the strobes made the mm -hmm. biggest difference one hundred percent. Yeah. Plus it it feels like a cleaner and safer set because you don't have yeah. three constant lights rigged right. up yeah. trying to just fill the space out with the light that you yeah. need. So if you have a controlled environment, you don't need a ton of output, but for our specific conditions, uh, the constant lights were just not cutting it. So no. the pro photos are definitely the way to go. It's very fun to be back using flash. It's just, it's not nearly as intimidating. I it's think fun. as it's people not. think it is. It's, yeah. I still vividly remember when I first got my 5d three and a Sigma, 50 art lens back in 2017. Uh, one of the first accessories that I bought with it was a little uh, like flash trigger, like a $30 cheap one from yeah. A&H and a on-camera flash, like a Canon on-camera flash. Also pretty cheap, like 150 bucks kind of thing. So all in, very inexpensive kit. But the reason I got that was because I was really into concert photographers and there's mm. one guy in particular that I saw who was using he was using pro photo stuff I was like that's too expensive for my student <laughs> budget <laughs> but I was like I'll find the next best thing and yeah. he was using it just kind of like you know is it like a kind of like how you use your Leica and that flash mm. like off camera like side angle kind of stuff and different bounce things and just like very creative applications for how you can remote trigger light and that really inspired me to start just diving into that and I got a shoot through umbrella and start yeah. using that for product stuff like some of the first product photos that I was paid for were just shot in my bedroom on like a three foot roll of black seamless wild, yeah. with like a less than $200 lighting setup. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Yeah. No, I believe it. It's, it's one of those things where, um, it just, it gives you so much more flexibility with getting the image that you are envisioning in your head to then make it come to life. Just because the other thing too, is like everyone understands how to shoot natural light. Yep. I mean, it's the easiest thing to learn because it's always available to us for the most part. But I think when you start to manipulate light, which is much harder to do with just ambient natural available light, yep. I think that's really when you start to learn more about photography and making your subject really separate or stand out in the environment that you're placing it in. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So taking a step back from the technical, because I was super heavy technical stuff. If you are trying to do more commercial photo yeah. work, definitely take the time to learn how to use strobes. Mm -hmm. They do not need to be pro photo. They do not need to be anything super expensive. They can be just like the cheap little kit that I put together for myself yeah. when I was a student and just learn from there because it completely changes the way that you see the possibilities for photos. So that's great, mm -hmm. all good and well. Taking a step back, like I said, why did we want to start pursuing commercial work more aggressively in the first place? Yeah. Um, at least based on our conversations when you moved to Chicago, I would say that um, really, at, at least from our conversations and from like my perspective on it all, 
uh, two main ones was um, really trying to diversify our income. Mm -hmm. uh, with weddings, weddings are awesome. Love working with wedding couples, but uh, it's a very, it's a very non, it's not, how do I describe this? It's like not, your income is pretty limited. Uh, mm -hmm. you, get, you get your retainer, the deposit, you get the final payment and maybe some add-ons, but it's really hard to push different products onto a couple beyond like albums, prints, whatever that, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you can't make a very livable income from weddings. You most definitely can, but it's very just like one dimensional in my opinion. It can be hard to scale it. It is really, unless yeah. like you add more people to it or the other thing, and this is the other reason is your time. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, we wanted to, step away from being so bogged down with not only shooting on weekends, mm. uh, but then the post-production. With weddings, it just takes up so much of your time, e even your emotional mm -hmm. margins. But uh, I think for us, it's because we had other aspirations outside of what we wanted to do and flex more of our creativity and our dreams and our goals. And so uh, weddings were great, but I think with commercial work, really the goal for us has been to uh, rely less on weddings, although it has been a safe kind of income for us. And then really start pursuing things that we're really excited to make. And that's the thing with weddings too, is with wedding photography, videography, you're making a product for your client. It's not really for you. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, even though it is your perspective on a wedding day, you're still creating imagery for them. Yep. Unlike I would say commercial work, where when a brand or a client approaches you, it's more like you're trying to create something with your creativity mm -hmm along with their mission or vision statement to then give them something that is special for them, but also kind of special for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us, it was really opening up our time with weekends and our bandwidth, but also beginning to think longer term beyond weddings. How can we build a career, a foundation now that we can continue pursuing for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years uh, and create work that we're really excited about, that we're flexing our creative muscles. And um, so I think those are some of the reasons why We've been talking about doing more commercial work yeah. together at least yeah now that's that's exactly it yeah every last word that's exactly what we're hoping to do i think the the majority of our time now is spent more so on things that can provide stability yeah. financially without us having to always trade our time yeah. for a dollar amount and i think that's that's probably the the biggest uh part of pursuing some level of financial independence is having those streams of passive income, which sure. is like a very popular thing to talk about, but just even things that are lower maintenance, things that don't always require you to be present at them in order for them to generate some kind of income. Uh, that's, that's what we're really up to right now because that's what we want for our families yeah. more than anything. 100%. Like, I, the biggest thing for me, like you already mentioned, but just being away on weekends and, the travel that's involved with that sometimes it can just it can feel like you are working 24 7 yeah year long and uh that's not always the best feeling so really important to just take care of yourself amidst all that and find ways to still stay creatively invigorated because the worst thing to feel is burnt out amidst all of that like get halfway through wedding yeah. season and you're like oh my gosh i still have 20 more of these how am i gonna yeah kind of get up the the emotional strength because it's it is super taxing and, it is um doing all that can be a lot sometimes so like you i i will be very sad when i whenever i photograph my last wedding whatever that is yeah i'm certainly yeah 
you know, slowing things down and I'm happy about that, but I don't want to stop anytime soon because they really are so fun. Also, yeah. it's just, it's just a matter of finding that balance. Of, it is, you know, what works best for you? How many can you accommodate? And also how do you still, you know, treat your clients really well? For sure. I think you should never try to be a wedding factory and just do more than you can and then burn yourself out and give less than you know you can totally, for some couples. Totally. Um, kind of goes back to what you're saying as well. Of like, you know, what, like what works for like your, I don't know, like your business and the way that you are, like where you're putting your time and resources, like yeah. what you're putting that actually into. Um, does it make sense for you to be gone for a collective 16 to 20 hours on the weekend or nope. travel or fly out for these things. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Teach their own. You have to kind of figure out what, what's going to work best for you. But yeah, I think that's a really good way to sum up kind of the motivation for us, at least as far as like getting into commercial work a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, both photo and video. I know we're talking yeah. more specifically photo here, but um, we could talk about video a little bit more. You should talk about that. I think, yeah, you should. So when people ask me what I do right now, it's it's the weirdest question, isn't it? Yeah. Because for years and years and years, I confidently shared, "Oh, I'm a wedding photographer," uh, because that was the case. And in the past, maybe two two and a half years, it's been much harder for me to describe what I do for work. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess for you as well, like, how would you describe to people the type of commercial work that we do, as far as like how you would classify us? And then how video ties into that. Because I think that most commercial photographers or filmmakers really do one or the other. But I think for us, we're really building up ourselves as hybrid creators. What are we? (laughs) Yeah, what are we? Um, That is a really good question. It feels, I've I've been feeling the exact same thing when someone says, oh, like, what are you up to now? Like catching up with someone after a while? Like, well... Um, so you've heard of YouTube, right? (laughs) Like that's one thing. Do you listen to podcasts? I do one of those also. Um, there's, uh, you know, familiar with wedding photography, I'm sure. And the the list just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. And they're all, the worst part about it is like, they're all things that are really big deals in our industry. Yeah. But our industry is so niche that the average friend or person that's looking to catch up will have no idea what you're talking about. It's so true. No idea. We have met some of our personal heroes in the past year. Which is insane. Name drop any of those to your parents? Not a clue. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't. Anyone. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to quantify the value of what we've gained, I think, within... uh, like especially the past year, but just kind of like that world at large. But as far as I think commercial filmmaking is concerned within, I think, I think calling it media agency, it's like mm. an agency. Yeah. I feel like agency is a good catch all. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what we're discussing with Levi a little yeah, bit. For sure. Um, Levi actually listens to the show and yeah, he he does. Will, he'll mention this in our text in a couple of weeks when he hears his name, which would be really cute because he did real that one. once. He is he a real one. He's a real one for sure. Um, so I'd say agency is probably the catch-all that we it's can describe kind it, yeah. of describe it because yeah. there is a lot of things that we're housing within it. But the commercial filmmaking aspect specifically, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're trying to do it in a more non-traditional way for sure oh easy yeah hands yeah down. yeah doing something that isn't as um 
like what you'd find on a classic film set necessarily or having sets like for us our sets right now are our own in-house team of people where everyone can do a little bit of everything yeah and we're all very good at certain things and we can kind of designate tasks and break Mm -hmm. up a shoot into you know everyone has their strong suit that they're really leaning into but it's definitely not a traditional commercial filmmaking set by any stretch of the Mm -hmm. imagination i would wager a guess that most traditional film sets would not like how we set up a lot of stuff because it's almost (laughs) definitely not correct most of the time but we're also not trained in that sense we're not like union filmmakers we're not we just we don't have that like that backbone kind of thing it's we're on our own path entirely and it's not the knock on like the tradition around filmmaking and what's been done for decades but uh that just doesn't interest us either Mm -mm. i'm not looking you're not looking to create work in a manner that everyone else is doing because they're told they're supposed to do it that way Mm -hmm. um but i want to make stuff that we care about but also make it in a manner that is suitable to our preferences yeah and sometimes that does mean that we don't know what certain things are called or but like safety is always something we're mindful of too it's not like we're trying to do stuff in like a way or rig stuff well for the most part for the most part for the most part that's like unsafe but i think we we find a way to get the look that we want and that matters more to me than setting things up in a proper way and then still struggling to get the look that you actually desire yeah i think for us we have found a way within our group to move together cohesively to move as a unit and to still create the product that we want to create at the very end. And that's not even to say that we won't scale up to something that looks more sure. like that one for sure. day. For sure. But right now I think we're trying to incubate this small team of people here to where we can almost without communicating, just anticipate needs. It's cool. Get things done yeah. and have a really dialed in group here and then slowly expand even as just more people start to use the studio yeah more people are around i mean honestly i mean there are two of them are in the room but chad and shua and alec too yeah just having more people around that want to participate in these things everyone's learning a little bit from every shoot everyone's getting better together yeah pushing the needle forward rising tide raises all ships super cool and then before you know it you have you know that four-person team is now an eight-person team yeah and you can actually start to maybe get into that territory, but you're just doing it. You're getting there in a different way. For sure. I think what we're doing right now is actually learning to um, really get the final product or the final final look that we're hoping for uh, with getting enough reps in that someday as we grow, whether it's the crew mm-hmm. or in our jobs, that we will find ourselves in roles of less of doing everything, but mm-hmm. more delegating. And mm-hmm. I think to delegate well, you still have to understand the role itself or the work that needs to get done. So for us, if anything, I just see us learning a lot of things right now so that someday it might be us doing less of the hands-on stuff, more delegation. Yeah. And that's totally okay because that'll empower more people to learn more skill sets and also flex their muscles and learn things. So 100%. we're all about that. 100%. And then we're getting to that point at that point yeah. where it's like, all right, we are more hands-off. And that sure. is kind of the goal to bring it full circle. Yeah. To be a little more hands-off with some of this stuff. We yeah. still have so many projects and visions and stories we want to tell absolutely but having some kind of exit strategy down the Mm -hmm. road or just way that not even exit strategy but just plan for how to scale things and then step aside because you've raised up 
the right leaders to yeah. follow behind you. And then you can yeah. kind of tackle other things and manage all these pieces together. Um, even just the other day, Levi texting you, Eric and I about yeah. what we're working on right now, <laughs> which is still kind of a secret ish maybe, but even him saying, Hey, I already have an idea for an exit strategy for us. I'm like, I kind of like that thinking of yeah. here's what we're going to build. Here's how long it's going to take. And then Smart. this is how we'll kind of shift out of it to let that thing go and live on its own. Um, there's something really rewarding yeah. in that, but yeah, commercial work is definitely a huge part of what you and I in particular have for been sure. doing for the last year for sure. and will continue to not only be a big part, but consume more and more of each of our respective businesses and the time that we're actually putting into it, yeah. both on the photo and video side. I know we have a lot of stuff planned with stock this year. I yeah. want to get another yeah. client similar to that. Yes. And we're already landing new commercial video gigs, which is super cool. Had a really great bid land the other day sick which is amazing yeah. super excited about that and just want to keep keep making stuff and keep putting things out there so yeah great i feel like that's a great episode gene thanks for thanks for doing this thanks for having me this again. is really fun this yeah. is fun commercial work is really cool you should it definitely is. try it you should oh it, actually that yeah. is one thing i wanted yeah. to before i I reminded myself of the thing that I forgot and I was going to roll the intro because I thought I forgot it and it came back to me. That's fantastic. We didn't talk about actually getting your foot in the door for stuff like this. Yeah. Like a the, practical yeah, like a, application. Like a how to. We talked about a lot of other technical components yeah. about how we manage it, all that. It's true. But I think a good, pretty condensed motivator piece of advice to get you into commercial work in the first place. Mm. I know for me, it started by offering to work for free. Yeah, to take on spec yeah. work, to create things on my own terms yeah. without the brand even knowing, to reach out to the brand, to get products, to cold contact places, to show portfolios, to to woo them in a way that they normally wouldn't, yeah. to convince them yeah. to actually hire you for something. Spec work is a great way. Yep. If there's a product in your home that you enjoy and you want to work with that brand, just do a set of photos, a short video or something for them. Social yeah. content is also huge. So anything nine by 16 would be a huge selling point for them. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to uh, actually work with the brand, don't just DM them. That could work. Don't just email them. That could also work. But maybe instead put together a mood board for a certain shoot that mm. you want to do with them. Send them a video of you talking to the camera, explaining why they should hire you in the first place. Yeah. Attach that with the mood board to the email and the vision for the shoot that you want to pitch them. Send it off because that is going to highly increase the chance that you actually get a response from that person. Because some of these companies probably get inundated with emails. Yeah. And you want to totally. do something that actually stands out. So. That's just some general guiding principles, I think, for how we have begun to land that type of work and how, especially how we started when we first got in it. Uh, and if you have any further questions, we are on Instagram and Twitter and other places for you to reach out and ask more specific questions because we'd love to talk with you about it. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for reviewing the show. Thank you for listening to the show, for watching it if you're on YouTube. We love you all. We really appreciate you being here. And we'll see you next week on Rally Caps.